listening to Rumination Thursday Law and Gospel on this March the 12th in the year of our Lord 2020, which means we have with us our good friend, Pastor Wes Reimnitz. How are you doing, Wes? I'm doing fine. I'm glad to hear we're still friends. Oh, we're still friends? Yeah. Well, you said our good friend. Well, that's because your cough has stopped. <laughs> it's been a couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. I've been feeling sorry for you. Um, you really found a pretty good article, I think. I had not realized this. It was actually something that occurred in 2008. A Safora Khan, who was a math teacher in Illinois, Muslim, asked for 15 days of unpaid leave to make a pilgrimage to Mecca, uh, which is a uh, Hajj pilgrimage, and all Muslims are to do this. And the school board said no to her. What happened? Well, it became a, 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 a quite a process. It took. She went on her, her uh, pilgrimage, which. Uh, yeah, you know, I guess it's set up according to the moon, and it's 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 how it's set up for her it was going to be in December of '08. Uh, this year, it's like in late July, early August. Uh, so it moves circular. But when she wanted to do it, was in the pilgrimage had to be taken in December. She went ahead and and took the the pilgrimage, and they relieved her of her job. But the Department of Justice stepped in and filed suit on her behalf. And uh, it took three years later, they finally came to a decision that employees should not have to choose between practicing their religion and their job. So uh, they ruled in her favor. Yeah, that's kind of interesting that here uh, government officials, namely the school, telling her she cannot do the kind of pilgrimage when she felt she needed to do it. A little bit more into the case, if she had not done it during that time, according to Muslim faith, she would have had to wait 10 years to do it. And then, as one of the Muslim scholars said, wow, if she gets sick and, sick and dies, how will she be able to explain why she did not do it? I guess Allah isn't going to be very patient with her. So there's a compelling passion to go as soon as possible. But I find that really interesting that you found that because it does kind of relate to what's going on today with a coronavirus. Would you yeah, agree? I would agree, but to back it up, when you, uh, compelling that you do it right away. Uh, in researching it a little bit further with with the Muslim, they have to do it at least one time in their life. Yes. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be done immediately. No, that's but true. But for some reason, this Muslim scholar said she would have to wait 10 years. So there must be some other guidelines. Right. It's, well, it, it, it goes with what I was telling you before. It's set up with the way the moon and the stars. And oh, I see. Uh, I, I don't know how to explain all of that. But see, it's 10 years later, and guess what? It's in the summertime now. Yeah. 
So then, then she could have gone, but and she was willing not to be paid during those weeks she was gone. Right, right. But I think you're you're correct in in that it, it has something to do to t- today. And I thought it was interesting that we should discuss it because of the coronavirus, because they're telling people not to go to church. In fact, they're doing more than that. They're, they made a law uh, in, some, in one state I know of that you cannot gather with more than 300 people in an enclosed place. Now, I'm a member of St. Paul de Pere, and I've never gone to that church where there are less than 300 people in each service. In, in other words, it would be against the law for them to have a service. And so the question is, would we as a church obey a government law that says we're not per, uh, permitted to worship? <laughs> it does inter- raise an interesting question whether you would... would would obey it or not quite frankly i'd go anyway uh well they said there would be a punishment for those who broke that law but remember what the punishment was yeah yeah well in your state your grandparents die yeah you'd be responsible for your grandparents because they really believe that this virus is affecting older people who have other ailments more than young people. Young people can still get it, but they'll get over it pretty quickly on their own. And older people don't have that uh, ability. So we've already heard that they're closing down basketball tournaments. Can you imagine the uh, March basketball being closed down? And already in the paper today it was mentioning how many businesses would be losing money because nobody's going to the games and therefore they like to go to eat afterwards or the bars, etc. So that's really uh, quite uh, implication. Oh, yeah, it isn't just the eating in, in the hotels, but also you got uh, the memorabilia, the clothing, the T-shirts, all kinds of stuff that people would normally buy. Yes, I was thinking about this. Was there ever a time that the church was told by the government not to worship, and what did they do about it? And there was a time. It was absolutely. The Roman government were persecuting Christians who were worshiping, and therefore, where did the Christians go? They went to uh, caves and areas like that to have their worship. They still had their worship. So they disobeyed the government in worshiping. Could we use that to tell the government, you can't tell us that we can't have a worship service? Uh, Yeah, you could. But, uh, you know, in, in thinking it through, would we not also say to our people that, if they're ill, they shouldn't be in a crowd, or if they're um, susceptible because of their health condition, they, they shouldn't be in a crowd. That's an excellent point you're making. It's one thing if a government tells us we can't worship Jesus Christ uh, as we wish, we would disobey that. In fact, in 
Russia when I was in Novosibirsk, there were a number of Christians who had worship uh, areas in their closets in their homes because, of course, the communist government was totally against that. And if caught, well, there were pastors who were put to death and went into gulags and this kind of thing. But uh, here you were correct. This is really a health issue. And I know the congregation, some of them are already talking about what are we doing about the common cup? Now, I my congregation only had individual glasses, and the St. Paul de Pere only has individual glasses, so that's not a, uh, a problem. But uh, a, a lot of congregations... Let's say the pastor comes down with a coronavirus. He's still holding the wafer when he puts it either in your mouth or in your hand. Mm. Boy, that does present a problem. And then we've already told the congregations we're dealing with four of them right now. I was at one last night, and I'm going to two more tonight. And then one on Sunday, or two on Sunday because of the university, were uh, telling them not to shake hands uh, at the end. And uh, I saw one church where they uh, put their feet together, not one person's foot. <laughs> That's the way that they greet each other. <laughs> or some do with fists and stuff. But it's really an airborne virus, is it not? Right, yeah, right. They're saying it's airborne. But also, I guess it can get on surface, and they don't know... How many days it stays active? Yes, if you're uh, walking downstairs and holding on to the banister, you don't know who is touching that banister before you. And you're saying that's possible you can pick it up that way also? That's what they were saying on the news, yes. Well, I think a lot of people believe that because planes, for example, are being wiped down two or three times a day now and other places like that. So the, the trouble is we keep getting various news. I heard today uh, a doctor was talking about that it's really not as serious as people are making it out, that we already have a, a more serious illness, and that's the flu, flu where yep. thousands of people actually die from it. And we only have well, had a handful die here in the United States from the coronavirus. And, you know, I'm one that can kind of speak to it myself. As you know, back in February, I had a uh, fairly severe cold. Yes. And I, I uh, quarantined myself for two weeks. I didn't go to church. I didn't go, go work out. I didn't go anywhere because I didn't want to spread my cold to somebody else. So I can understand that if you got a cold, or if you're susceptible to one, you shouldn't be in a crowd at, at all. But, you know, if you're healthy, uh, I don't see any reason why you can't go to church. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, last Sunday, I've started a Bible study with the university students, and mm -hmm. one of them came in coughing like crazy. And he was part of his task as a university student was learning how to teach little children. And he had been at a public school, and he feels he caught it from one of the children there. Uh, mm. Now, he didn't think it was 
anything serious, just a cold or the flu, but he says, I'm not going to stay here uh, because you'll end up coughing, and that's all you need to do. And I've been very fortunate because my wife Louise was coughing for a while, and I feel fine. I didn't catch it from her or anything. So that now you caught yours from your wife, didn't you? <laughs> Oddly enough, yes. She had caught it from somebody where she works part-time. Oh, that's too And bad. brought it home, and then we had it. But uh, you're talking about working with university students. There's a project, though, there are two that you're reaching out with that that uh, kind of speaks to sometimes how we can solve some of this for those who are, are ill and shut in, unable. Yeah. What are you going to be? Pastors are definitely, I'm still visiting shut-ins who are either ill or impaired to come to church. And so pastors do this all the time, and we give them communion. I've not been, I, I have a practice when I go to the hospital, I shake hands with nobody. Nobody in the bed uh, who's the patient, because in case I have something, I don't want them to get it. And, of course, hospitals are, are said to be some of the greatest areas where you can pick up illnesses. Yeah, no, I'm the, I'm the same way. But I was re also referring to, aren't you going to start a video project up there? Yeah, that's a university? way to reach out. Um, a lot of the students, for example, I heard that the University of Missouri in Columbia has closed down. And they're mm -hmm. only going to be doing classes through the Internet. And a lot of people have left and gone home and not stay at the dorms. Uh, I have a cousin uh, on my wife's side, and she was kind of in an elderly home. She's doing fine, but they stopped giving the elderly meals because they had to come together to the cafeteria, and they didn't want to have anybody catch anything. So I guess what's happening there, she has to phone someone and they bring food in. Uh, what, what's that program that uh, where they take Meals food? Meals on to, Wheels? Yeah, that has not been stopped yet, they said. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, and I can understand that because it's just handing food over and if the food is properly wrapped and such and the person driving it around. But I'm having fun with Uber, trying to decide, am I going around picking people up? <laughs> yeah. And some it's people a, aren't going to be using Uber or Lyft because they right. don't know who was in the car before them. That's right. It also brings up, too, if you're unable to get out, you know, as I was unable to. Yeah. You can catch on Sunday morning, KFUO, there's Bible study, there's Lutheran Hour, they even have a church service available. Yeah, on Fort Wayne puts out a church service, Concordia Theological Seminary. And I'm not sure you can pick it up on the internet, but if you're in an area where it's on a television station, and it's possible you can pick it up on the internet, I'm just not aware of it. Yeah, worship for shut-ins, they call it. Yeah, you've been in some congregations where when you're doing the worship service, it's actually broadcast over the radio? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. 
uh, s- uh, several of them. I mean, the last one was up in, in Havana, but you know, you could pick it up. Lincoln, Illinois, at Zion, they they're on the radio uh, on Sunday morning too, as well. Various different places that uh, have broadcasts and. Uh, some of the churches are even videotaping their services and putting it up on their website. You know, you can pick up the sermons or you can pick up a full worship service. So, so you know, the church you attend sometimes, I'll bet uh, your church that you go to uh, puts some kind of posting on their website. No, they don't. They don't. None of the four that I'm with right now do any taping of worship services or anything. Thinking, I was thinking about the pair. Um, you know, St. Paul de Pair is the one that now does the Bible study Sunday morning on KFUO. So uh, you can pick that up. And uh, my wife wasn't able to go to church, and so she was able to listen to the uh, Bible study. But I remember in San Antonio, Texas, a vice president was pastor there, and they would um, uh, definitely videotape their worship service and put it over uh, the television in that area, and they stopped doing it for two reasons. The first reason mm-hmm. was it's really difficult to keep children from making noise during the worship service. <laughs> And yeah. so that was interfering with the cameras, etc. The second reason they discovered is if you're a member of that congregation and all you have to do is turn on your TV to see the worship service, there were a number of people simply not coming because they could see the whole worship service uh, on television and stay at home. So... Mm. They felt they they dropped that after a while. So no matter what you do now, what we're planning on doing is videotaping specific Lutheran Bible studies with insights that very few people have heard about, uh, even Lutherans, and then putting it on kind of a YouTube station and letting the university students know. And for example. Have uh, you ever contemplated, you know, you're so depressed that you don't know if you can keep on living? What does God say about that? And please tune to this, and we give them how to do it. Because a lot of the millennials do not like already going out in groups. Uh, There's an article in the latest Lutheran Witness about this. And they stay at home, or they'll stay in the dorms. And so I asked the university uh, students who are coming to the Bible study, what do they do in the dorm if they don't go out in groups? And I said, they look at TV, and many of them don't look at TV because they don't have, say, a cable TV in the dorm, but they do have computers, and therefore they look at stuff on the Internet. A lot of them, that's all they do is Internet. And so that's why we're going to be attempting to use the Internet and send them questions through the mail as to if you're interested in this, here's where you can find an answer from God. Well, as we kind of go through this this uh, coronavirus and whether you should or shouldn't, would uh, Romans 8 be a... What's that say about it? Well, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword? You know, 
and as as uh, Paul ends up, I'm sure that neither neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ. Would you use that verse as a way of not following the government's suggestion and having church services with more than 300 people? Or do you have another purpose for that verse? Well, you could, yeah, there's the other one in Romans that says that we ought to obey God rather than man. But But how do uh, we know that God isn't the one moving the politicians to try and keep us safe by having less than 300 people in a group. That's true. Yeah, see, but, see, this is a, um, a, this, uh, we rarely do this, where you and I don't have clear answers as to what uh, a church <laughs> should do, because it's really going to be up to the freedom of the Christian, and uh, there really hardly are any penalties the government. The only penalty we heard is that you could kill your grandfather by bringing him into a, a big group like that. Well, just don't have the older people come and maybe have a way in which they can listen on a phone or through the Internet, etc., to a, a worship service. So there's many other options. And, right. Um, and the reason I say nothing should separate us from the love of Christ Right. Because we have to miss because of an illness. Is it going to separate us from Jesus? No, no, not at all. So this may take a better theologian than you and I to try and figure out if the government, which it already has, told churches they cannot meet anymore if more than 300 people. Now, I don't know why they said 300, but... um, uh, I'll tell you, this is going to have a, a real effect... And I, I hear nothing right now about how to keep from getting the flu. Do you? No. No, it's, it's and all that's the virus. that's the one that's actually killing many more people than this oh, virus. Yeah. And, and, of course, there's so much politics in this. Uh, some people are saying, you know, this is a Chinese virus, and others are saying, oh, that's racist to say that and this sort of thing. So... You got a lot of politics. There are governors who are appreciating all the money they're now getting because of the virus and this sort of thing. So it's difficult to, uh, how should I say, dissect and really see what's the proper motivation uh, behind all this money going out in light of the fact that hardly anything is being done about watching people get the flu. Yeah, so I think it's correct with with what you said. It's the freedom of the Christian. They're going to have to sit down and assess the the risk and decide whether they should or shouldn't be in church. Yes, as a pastor, I would not uh, be objecting to people who are coughing, sniffling, etc., not to attend church, even if it's just a common cold, because even that can be uh, picked up by others. So it's a very multifaceted question and on tomorrow's law and gospel which is open mic friday is anybody have any suggestions for us give me a ring at 1-800-730-2727 to see what you think should be done if that's the problem we're having namely 
government telling us we cannot meet as a church or whatever? It's a good one. Yeah, it'll be very interesting, and God will have a reason for that. Hopefully, this will be overcome as other diseases have in the past, and we'll just have to wait to see what God has in mind over that. So we pray indeed for the people who are afflicted by this and pray that they'll be able to get sufficient testing out there as well as an antidote. And um, yeah. and you can see why I picked a, such a topic for us. It really puts a lot of things up there, doesn't it? Yep. All right. Well, thank you very much. And we may be talking about this again next week as more details follow. Thank you, Wes. Okay. Yeah, good to be with you. All right. I'm Tom Baker. That was Wes Reimnitz. Tomorrow's Open Mic Friday. You want to talk about it? We'll be here, God willing, unless Judgment Day occurs. I'm Tom Baker. Till tomorrow, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.